AFF on Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast is boarding. Step on board for the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. Your captain, Matt Graham, now invites you to sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. G'day and welcome to episode 66 of AFF On Air, the podcast that helps you to maximise your frequent flyer points. It's Saturday the 7th of August 2021. In the European Union, airlines are required to compensate passengers when flights are significantly delayed, cancelled or overbooked. But airlines often try and get away with not paying out, which has led to the creation of lots of companies that specialise in claiming compensation on behalf of airline passengers. The business model is simple. If the agent is successful in claiming compensation from the airline, they get to keep a percentage of it. And if they're unsuccessful, there's no cost to the passenger. Well, at least that's normally how it works. In this podcast, we'll meet some very unlucky Finnair customers who used one of these third-party agencies to claim compensation for significantly delayed flights. But following a very unfortunate series of events, they ended up having to personally pay thousands of euros to Finnair. It's a cautionary tale you definitely won't want to miss. Also coming up in this episode, how to take maximum advantage of Virgin Australia's latest double status credits offer. But first, we begin with a roundup of the latest airline and frequent flyer news from the past fortnight. And firstly, Australian citizens and permanent residents who normally live overseas will no longer be automatically exempt from the Australian government's outbound travel ban from the 11th of August this year. Until now, Australians who had spent more time outside of Australia in the past 12 to 24 months than inside Australia, or they could provide evidence that they normally live overseas, were automatically exempt from the outbound travel ban. But under the amendment being brought in on the 11th of August, ordinarily being a resident in a country other than Australia will no longer qualify. This means that Australian citizens and permanent residents who normally live overseas will be banned from leaving Australia without applying first for a travel restriction exemption under one of the other existing criteria, such as travelling outside of Australia for compelling reasons for three months or longer. With the Australian government having also halved the maximum number of people allowed to fly into Australia each week until at least the end of August, international airlines are also really starting to feel the pinch. Airlines are already losing millions by continuing to operate commercial passenger flights into Australia, being restricted to carrying as few as eight or nine passengers on some flights. American Airlines has already announced that it's withdrawing its flights to Australia as they're no longer commercially viable. And if the reduced inbound arrival caps remain in place beyond the end of this month, which does unfortunately appear likely, more airlines have said that they'll have to review whether they can afford to keep running services into Australia. And things unfortunately are not looking that great either for Australia's domestic airlines at the moment. Rex has extended the grounding of its Boeing 737 fleet and cancelled many of its domestic flights for at least several more weeks as a result of the extended lockdown in Sydney and COVID-19 travel restrictions in place in other Australian cities. Rex has not operated any Boeing 737 flights since the 18th of July, with ZL689 from the Gold Coast to Melbourne on that date being the last one. Qantas this week also announced that it will have to stand down 2,500 workers from the middle of this month due to the current travel downturn in Australia. And there have also been reports that Virgin Australia is preparing to stand down a significant number of its workforce. 
Qantas has brought back its price promise, which promises to match the price offered by a competitor's website for any Qantas flight. But the price promise now has so many catches that it's basically unusable. To claim on the Qantas price promise, you would need to find a lower-priced Qantas flight on an Australian online travel agent's website, which is marketed to consumers in Australia and run by an online travel agency with an Australian business number or Australian company number. The products on the Qantas and online travel agent websites would need to be identical in every way to qualify for a price match, which includes the online travel agent offering free domestic seat selection, 24-7 phone support, baggage allowance and free date changes through Qantas's Fly Flexible program, among a whole lot of other criteria that would need to be satisfied. And you can only make a claim on the price promise after you've booked and already paid on the Qantas website. And if you do somehow manage to meet all of the criteria for a price promise claim, all that Qantas does is refund the difference. So it seems like a lot of work when you could just book on the competitor's price uh, website at a lower cost in the first place. But that's probably the point. By uh, at least offering a price promise, Qantas can advertise that you can book with confidence on its website because of the price promise. But I can't see many people at all being able to successfully use it. And yeah, that's probably the point and pretty genius if it is. The Qantas price promise had been suspended last year because the team who normally processed the claims had been stood down. Meanwhile, Qantas customers whose flights are cancelled by the airline are now entitled to receive a Qantas travel pass with double status credits in lieu of a refund or a regular travel credit. Now, these can't be requested online, but if Qantas cancels your flight and you would otherwise be entitled to a refund, you can request a travel pass with double status credits over the phone. So what is this? Well, a travel pass with double status credits is similar to a regular travel credit, but it has a longer expiration date. You'll be able to use it until the end of next year. And when you redeem your travel pass to book another Qantas flight or flights, you'll earn double status credits for those flights. This will apply when you use your travel pass to pay for either the total value of the new booking or if you use the total remaining value of your travel pass towards a new booking. And you can continue to redeem the value of your travel pass for an unlimited number of new flights until the value runs out. And this week, Qantas Frequent Flyer ran its first ever points auction, where members were invited to bid for money can't buy products and experiences. Now, while I'm sure the winners will be happy with their prizes, some of them did go for a lot of points that surely could have been better spent on reward flights or upgrades. On Monday, a one-hour Qantas 787 simulator session sold for 1.2 million Qantas points. On Tuesday, a three-night luxury escape for four people to Queenstown, including business class flights, went for 3.7 million points. On Wednesday, a one-hour kids' soccer training session with the Australian Socceroos coach sold for 501,000 points. A pair of used A380 Skybed seats sold on Thursday for exactly 2 million points. And yesterday, on the final day of the auction, it wrapped up with a private round-trip Dash 8 flight from Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane for up to 31 people, selling for 4,848,484 points. That has got to be some sort of record. That's what's making news on australianfrequentflyer.com.au this fortnight. You can stay up to date between podcasts by subscribing to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette to get the latest Frequent Flyer news straight to your inbox for free every Monday and Thursday morning. (laughs) 
turn your bills into business class with the SNP app. Whether it's an ATO bill, rates, utilities, phone, school fees, body corporate or any of the other 60,000 plus bills with a BPAY biller code on it, you can pay it with SNP and earn full frequent flyer points for your credit card spend. You can use your Visa, MasterCard or American Express to pay bills with the SNP app and pay just a 1.5% processing fee including GST. There are no other hidden fees. The 1.5% processing fee even applies for American Express payments. Now that's just 0.05% more than the ATO's card payment surcharge for Amex. And with SNP, you'll earn points on your Amex card at the full everyday spend rate and not the reduced rate that you'd normally get at the tax office. SNP also has some convenient features. You can connect your emails to the SNP app and have your billers automatically added to the app when they arrive in your inbox. You'll then get a handy push notification when your bill's ready for payment. You can pay the bill on the spot, schedule it for later, set up an instalment plan or create a recurring payment. And you can even use Apple Pay or Google Pay. So it's no surprise why SNP has processed more than $150 million worth of bill payments and counting. It really is the easiest and most rewarding way to pay your bills. With tax time in front of us now, there's never been a better time to try SNP. Simply download the free SNP app on your mobile device and enter the code AFF10 on sign up for $10 off your first bill payment. That's SNP with two I's, S-N-I-I-P. Well, in today's episode of AFF On Air, I'm going to bring you a story that seems almost unbelievable, but the sad thing is it's 100% true, and it's resulted in some quite severe financial hardship for the innocent people caught up in this sorry saga involving Finnair and a third-party compensation claims agency based in Europe called Iftalade. You may already be aware that the European Union has laws which require airlines to pay passengers compensation in cases where flights are delayed by more than three hours, cancelled at short notice, or where passengers are denied boarding due to flights being overbooked. The laws also provide for compensation if a passenger misses their connecting flight due to the late um, inbound flight on the same ticket. Now, the amount of compensation owing depends on a few factors, such as the length of the delay and the distance of the flight. For example, compensation for long-haul flights is more than would apply for short-haul flights. In cases where airlines delay flights or bump passengers in the European Union, they're also required to provide passengers with information about their rights under the regulation which is known as EU261 or sometimes referred to as EC261-2004. This regulation applies to airlines based in the European Union on flights to, from or within the EU. It also applies to non-EU airlines on flights that are departing from anywhere in the European Union. So, for example, a Qatar Airways flight departing from France would also be covered under this. Most of the time, it's pretty much a clear-cut case where compensation is owing and airlines will simply pay out the money owed if it's a genuine case. But obviously, this can get expensive for airlines. I mean, the compensation amounts can get quite high in some of those cases. So many of them try and use pretty much every trick in the book to avoid paying compensation where they can. And sometimes they do get away with it. You see, under the European Union regulations, airlines are not required to pay compensation to passengers if a delay or a cancellation is caused by extraordinary circumstances which are beyond the control of the airline. So this could include things like bad weather, an air traffic controller strike, a bird strike affecting the aircraft, disruptions caused by unruly passengers, the coronavirus pandemic, or even natural disasters like a volcanic eruption in Iceland. 
But some airlines will also try to say that things that are not really extraordinary circumstances are, and therefore avoid having to pay out the money. And so when Finnair uh, first introduced the Airbus A350 into service in late 2015, uh, Finnair was the launch customer, and at the time it was a flash brand new aircraft. Unfortunately, though, there were some teething issues when the A350 first entered service for Finnair, and uh, there were quite a few delays as a result of this. Now, Finnair blamed these delays on a manufacturing defect, which they considered to be an extraordinary circumstance. And when multiple passengers tried to claim EC261 compensation for the delays, Finnair told them that, and I'll quote here, the aircraft was new and this failure could not be avoided by any possible maintenance action. We suspect a manufacturing defect and a manufacturing defect is considered an extraordinary circumstance. So you can see there Finnair is obviously trying not to pay out the compensation. So instead what Finnair did was offered these customers some vouchers for a much lower value than what would have been owed under the EC261 compensation rules. Numerous Finnair customers were unhappy with this outcome, so they engaged a third-party claims agency, If Delayed. Now, If Delayed is just one of many uh, European claim agencies that have cropped up in the EU over the years since the EC261 regulation came into force, and it's become so common, unfortunately, for airlines, and not just Finnair, but many European airlines, to deny compensation, or even just not to respond to requests at all for compensation to stonewall the customers, that these agencies saw a business opportunity. They would fight for compensation on behalf of their clients who didn't have perhaps the time or the expertise to pursue this for themselves. If the airline ultimately paid out the money, the agency would keep a percentage of the compensation, generally around a quarter or a third of the amount. And if they were not successful, there would be no cost to the client. Tens of thousands of airline passengers in Europe have used these claim agencies. I mean, they're everywhere. Just a quick Google search will bring up lots and lots of them. Uh, And they generally advertise a risk-free, no-win, no-fee policy. But as numerous Finnair passengers who were affected by those delays in early 2016 have discovered, it's perhaps not entirely risk-free after all. When some of those Finnair passengers decided to engage if delayed services, some had already received advice from the Finnish consumer ombudsman that a manufacturing defect would uh, would not be considered by them as an extraordinary circumstance and therefore Finnair would owe compensation. Uh, However, the Finnish Consumer Authority has no actual power. They can only make recommendations and give advice. So the only way forward was to take Finnair to court. With the client's permission, if delayed, did uh, just that on their behalf. But unfortunately for these clients, the Finnish court ultimately ruled in favour of Finnair, and if delayed, was ordered to pay Finnair's legal costs. Now that should not have been a disaster for the clients. Sure, they wouldn't be receiving any compensation. Um, But the court had made their ruling, and at the end of the day, that shouldn't have mattered. After all, when they accepted If Delayed's terms of service, If Delayed informed them that, and and I'll quote, under no circumstances will you be liable to pay any costs or other penalties if we do not win your case. So it seems pretty clear cut to me. But unfortunately, that was not the end of the matter. A few months after the court case, uh, purely coincidentally, in May 2020, If Delayed filed for bankruptcy. All the while, If Delayed's clients had no idea that If Delayed had um, lost the court cases, nor that If Delayed had become insolvent. And in fact, most of the passengers had simply forgotten about it by this point since the flights involved had taken place more than four years ago. 
But out of the blue, several months later in um, the second half of last year, the affected passengers all received emails from a Finnish law firm informing them that they now personally owed Finnair many thousands of euros. At first, they thought it was a scam or a joke. Sadly, it wasn't. So how on earth did this happen? Well, to find out, I spoke to two of the unlucky Finnair passengers who were caught up in this sorry tale. Nick Nett on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum was one of those passengers who flew with Finnair, and he joins me now. Welcome to the podcast, Nick Nett. Yeah, thank you. So you were originally due to fly, as I understand it, from Shanghai to Helsinki with Finnair back on the all the way back on the fifth of January two thousand and sixteen. So more than five years ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So what happened on the day of travel? Long, long time ago now, but yeah, early two thousand and sixteen, we were in transit in Shanghai, and um, we had a notification that our Finnair flight was going to be delayed. Um, they didn't give us much information; some issue with the brakes or something. Um, but it ended up us getting to our final destination some five, six, seven hours late, um, and um, we understood that there was there was the possibility to then claim compensation under EC Regulation Two Six One. Yeah, so under the European Union EC Two Six One Two Thousand and Four legislation, you are entitled to claim compensation if a flight is delayed significantly. Uh, the airlines, of course, uh, can get out of having to pay this if there are extenuating circumstances beyond their control, like weather events or acts of God, and they often do. But um, in this case, it was a mechanical delay, so you claimed the compensation. What was Finnair's response? Yeah, so Finnair have a, a a communication system to deal with this sort of request. So we, we made our claim to them uh, and they came back quite quickly saying, no, this was one of those act of, acts of God and that they wouldn't be able to help us. So we, we did question them a little bit backwards and forwards. They did make some other paltry um, offers, but but nothing of any substance. Um, and after maybe three or four months of this backwards and forwards, they then proposed that if we and I quote, if you're not satisfied with our decision, you may contact the Finland Consumer Authority, which is, of course, what we did. OK, so what happened when you then contacted the Finnish Ombudsman? Well, the Finnish Omb- Ombudsman is a is a body that um, makes judgments or, or recommendations on consumer issues. It does not have any power um, to, to enforce those um, decisions that it makes. Um, they're a very busy organisation and it took them several years to come to a verdict in our case. Um, so roughly wow. the middle of 2018, we, we heard back from the Consumer Dispute, Disputes Board and they told us and told Finnair that, that Finnair should pay us this compensation because this was not one of those acts of God. Right. So how much was the compensation that Finnair, according to the Finnish Ombudsman, should have paid you then? Yeah. So when you're on a long haul flight um, and you're delayed by a certain amount, it's 600 euros per person. There were 600 of, uh, six of us in this um <laughs> party so um the total was three thousand six hundred euros it's quite a large sum of money okay and then i guess finnair still refused to pay that then yes yeah so you then contacted if delayed which is one of those claims agencies that pursues ec261 compensation on behalf of airline passengers what happened then yes that's right so our our discussions with if delayed they were confident that um, they could handle this for us and, and they asked us for um, – they had a dialogue with Finnair and, and got pretty much as far as we did nowhere. So they asked us for permission to take um, Finnair to court based on the recommendation from the consumer authority. Um, uh, but, but they reassured us that there was no risk on this. Um, the, 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 the agreement we made was, and I quote, under no circumstances will you be liable to pay any costs.
costs or other penalties if we do not win your case. So we agreed with them um, back end of 2018 that, that they could go ahead and, and uh, take that forward. Yeah, and if delayed still advertises a no win, no fee policy on its website. So that was the basis under which you had engaged if delayed services. But what happened when if delayed's lawyers then lost the case in court in Finland? Well, um, after about the beginning of 2019, we heard nothing from if delayed. And, and after a year or year, a year and a half or so, we'd kind of forgotten about the whole thing. And um, so we were very surprised to get a to get a contact from a, a, a different legal firm, a, a completely unrelated legal firm in, in the north of Finland. Uh, and this was in July 2020. Um, basically saying you owe Finnair their legal fees from a court case that took place earlier that year. Um, how and when are you going to pay? So this must have been a complete shock to you to get this email. Uh, it was unbelievable. I mean, we, we thought it was a joke at first, but but um, I, I contacted the legal firm and asked for clarification. And sure enough, they explained that, that the case had gone to court uh, and that if delayed, had lost. Um, and then if delayed, had subsequently gone into liquidation, and therefore the court was then chasing us for the money. Wow. And so without you knowing this at the time, if delayed had taken the case to court, lost in court, and you weren't aware of this, and so how much were the legal fees that if delayed would have owed Finnair after losing this in court? In our case, just under €6,000. Wow. Okay. And so then a few months later in May of 2020, not that you were aware of this at the time, but if delay did go into bankruptcy. So you then basically became an unsecured creditor, as I understand it, without knowing. Yes. So so the court case was in February. The, the case was lost in February. If delayed, um, I, I suppose, was being impacted by the, by the lack of business caused by COVID. Um, they went into insolvency in May. Um, but for some reason, which we still don't understand, we were never listed with the insolvency firm as a creditor. Although in practice, if delayed, uh, uh, owed us this 6,000 euros. Wow. Okay. So then... If delayed was subsequently bought out by a large Swedish insurance company called Insurello, but the new owners did not take on the liabilities of the old owners of If delayed, and as I understand it, under Swedish and Finnish bankruptcy law, nor were they required to. So basically, this left you to pay the debt directly to Finnair. I understand that Insurello just bought the brand and the goodwill uh, and the, and the the, uh, re- the 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 well, their website certainly shows the references and the trust pilot score, that sort of thing. Yeah. But yes, legally, I don't believe they, they had any responsibility for any liabilities that the old If Delayed had. Yeah, and so If Delayed is still operating now, but under new owners, of course. Exactly. Yep. And so when this case was lost in court, as I understand it as well, the costs were not moderated by the court. So their case was If Delayed, one company versus Finnair, another large company. And so because the court assumed that If Delayed would be responsible for paying these costs, they were not lowered in any way. But if the court knew at the time that private individuals would be having to pay this money to Finnair, do you think that the court would have reduced the costs at all? 
Well, I don't, I don't think they would have done. I, I don't fully understand why not, because Finnish law is quite clear on this, that, that if, if it's a company-to-company case, then the costs are not moderated. But if there's a sort of David and Goliath situation, then um, normally those costs would be moderated because the, uh, the private individual would not be able to afford such high amounts. Um, we did, uh, uh, the, the, the Finnish legal firm did ask the court, court to moderate this, and for some reason that was refused. Oh, wow. Okay. So... And then in the end, you've had no choice really but to pay this money to Finnair. How much did you end up having to pay? Well, um, the, the the company that bought If Delayed, they um, we talked to them and, and asked for their advice, and they said they were going to help us. And and what they did was they wrote a letter to Finnair saying, uh, we don't think it's fair that, that, that these uh, private individuals have to pay this amount because of what's happened. Of um, Finnair basically wrote back to them saying. Uh, that that's irrelevant um and if you and if these people do not pay then we will be starting um co- uh, collecting uh, activ- collection activities against them immediately uh, and, and because we live in finland and finnair is a finnish co- uh, company and um um the law the, the judgment from the judge was quite clear then we didn't have a leg to stand on so we ended up paying um by the time the, all the interest uh, payments and other court fees we've had to pay 7000 euros Wow, and that's obviously a lot of money, especially when you were originally told that you would not be liable for any costs under any circumstances. So, yeah, that's quite a hard pill to swallow. What would you have spent that money on? Well, when we're not overly wealthy people um and that that money could have well been used for for our kids education, you know, the usual stuff. My daughter wants my 18-year-old wants a car, that sort of thing. Um this this is money that we're not uh, that we had earmarked for their future and we're not going to be able to use. That is so unfortunate. I mean, and Finnair has not broken any laws that I'm aware of. They've pursued all their legal avenues, as they're entitled to do. And the bankruptcy of Iftelade was also really unfortunate. The new owners in Sorello are not technically liable to pay this money either. And so it's really unfortunate that you and all these other private citizens have been left to pay these debts. I guess, what would you like to happen now? Well, I, I, I do feel that, um, that the new company that has taken over Iftelade has has some moral um, responsibility here. They continue to use the If Delayed website and branding and goodwill um, as if there's no problem with this sort of system. And, and quite clearly there is a problem with this sort of system if if what has happened to us could happen to others. Um, they, of course, could make it all, all okay by, by helping us in some way financially, um, but they've chosen not to do so. Um, the, the the fact that it, the if delayed went um, bankrupt, um, we should have been listed as creditors, but we were not. There is something very strange there. We're not sure why that happened. Um, so it's it's possible that something will happen with that in the future. But um, frankly, we're not hopeful that um, this is going to have a good resolution for us. So so my my feeling on on all of this, and and it's the same when I first contacted you, was was that these things can happen. And people should not take these blanket clauses of you're not at any risk. They shouldn't take them as cast in stone. Yeah. And I mean, lots of people use companies like If Delayed all the time. And there are many others as well out there. There are claims agencies that claim EC261 compensation on behalf of individuals when airlines delay or cancel flights and so on. And so, yeah, people are using these agencies every day. Do you have any advice for people that are thinking about using these services in the future? Well, I think you you need to be very careful with the communications. One of the things we suffered from was was um, 
we, we gave a permission to if delayed to at no risks to ourselves to proceed when we didn't hear back from them we didn't pursue it in perhaps the way we should have done so make sure you know what you're agreeing to and then and then you know what is happening in your name that's my advice well thanks so much nick net for telling me your story you're welcome Sandy S on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum, that's her username on the forum, is another person who was caught out by this incident. Unlike Nick Nett, who lives in Finland, Sandy S lives in Australia. After travelling from Adelaide to Europe at the last minute for a relative's funeral in 2016, Sandy S's Finnair flight um, back from Europe, from Helsinki to Bangkok, was delayed by around 28 hours. And Sandy S joins me now. So, what was the trip that you were originally trying to make with Finnair? Uh, we were originally travelling from Amsterdam to Bangkok with Finnair, and after that we were on a Qantas ticket back to Australia. Okay, so you travelled from Amsterdam to Helsinki with Finnair, then, as I understand it, the onward leg to Bangkok was delayed? That's correct, yes. And so because of that delay, you then missed your onward connection uh, or on an, on another ticket to um, Australia on Qantas. So what what was the result of that for you? Well, basically, um, we, we had all got on the plane um, and then they told us that we weren't going anywhere. So we all got off the plane and they couldn't tell us when we would be flying out the next day, just that hopefully it would be, which meant that even though I'd factored in time for delays, I hadn't factored in enough for over 24 hours. So 2am Helsinki time, I'm on the phone to Qantas trying to um, rearrange our flight and get another one back to uh, Australia from Bangkok. Yeah, and so as I understand it, you had to pay about $300 to rebook your Qantas flight from Thailand back to Australia, and then also you lost the points that you'd paid for an upgrade on the original flight. That's right, yes. So we uh, all we could do was uh, get get another flight and that would be economy. Oh, that's such a shame. And so um, you then, uh, what, what did you do next? I mean, did you try and get compensation from Finnair? Yes, when we got home, I contacted them. Um, we had been handed out the, the EU compensation forms by Finnair. Everyone got one and they're required to do that. But um, I didn't pursue that. I just contacted Finnair and said, look, I'm just looking for something to recompense us for what we were actually um, out of pocket for. And all they would offer were some was a flight credit with Finnair, which was no good to us. Um, we didn't know when or if we would be travelling with them again. Right. So they've refused the European compensation. Um based on, I guess, for the same reason that Nick um, was, Nick Net was refused compensation. Uh, what was the reason for the delay and what did Finnair say? Finnair had, the plane we were travelling on was the new A350 at the time. I believe Finnair had taken delivery of a few of these aircraft and they said as a new plane, it was a mechanical fault of the manufacturer and therefore they weren't responsible for it. Right, so that was their argument. So why did you then decide to engage if delayed to pursue this? Because I'd been on the forum and um, someone suggested that this had happened before and that I should perhaps use 
the the compensation, the EU compensation. And I thought, yes, I think I will because, you know, I felt they they were wrong to um, say they wouldn't give us this money and deny our compensation. Um, And also in the research that I've done, it seems that uh, Finnair automatically say no, that's what they do. And also that in other cases, leaving from other countries in the EU, that it is their fault, it is their responsibility if there's mechanical issues and quite often airlines will try and use that excuse. Yeah, and so if delayed, as I understand, then offered to um, take this to court when Finnair refused the compensation and and you signed a, a form, I guess, which said, under no circumstances will you be liable to pay any costs or other penalties if we do not win your case. So that's, that's what... Um, that's the basis under which you agreed that Finnair would take this to court on your behalf. So what happened next? Did you Were you in communication with Iftalate? Yes, um, there was a few emails backwards and forwards um, where I gave them permission to um, fight this case for us. The, the deal that they gave was the same as most of those kind of companies, which is that if they win the case for you, they keep a third of the um, compensation that you get. Mm -hmm. And I agreed to that because um, otherwise I was getting nothing. So, uh, and I was out, and I am, was out of pocket. So I agreed to that, but only on the understanding that um, there would be no cost to us. Uh, We wouldn't be liable for any legal costs, nothing like that. I would never have gone down that road without that that promise. So did Iftalade contact you when they lost this case in court or when was the next um, time you heard about this? Um, the next time I heard about it, uh, well, first of all, I sent a couple of emails over over the, the time asking how it was going and they just said, oh, you know, these things take time. It's, it's still going through the court. And then nothing And then the next thing I hear in 2020 is um, an email from KPF saying that the case had been lost and that we were liable to pay uh, Finnair's legal fees. Right. So KPF is a law firm based in Finland. So uh, what was your thought when you got this email out of the blue saying that you owed all this money to Finnair? Well, it was really a surprise and um, and it was only pure luck that I actually received the email because um, it was just an email that went to an account that I was no, or was about to lose. So I thought it was some elaborate scam, to be honest. It was yeah. bizarre, but as it turns out, it wasn't. Yeah, and so what did you do? Well, KPF uh, said we could appeal um, and they thought that we, we would be successful. But, of course, with any uh, lawyer or legal thing, that there's no guarantees, and I did understand that. But they, they, they seemed to think we would be successful, and I knew that we weren't the only um, party involved. I knew there was others. So um, I thought, yes, I'll, I'll do that. We'll, we'll do the appeal. We'll go ahead with the appeal. Right, and was the appeal successful then? Well, no, um, uh, the appeal was unsuccessful. Prior to doing it, I had read a few things about um, this had happened a few times with Finnair and the Ombudsman felt that Finnair were in the wrong. 
but the ombudsman has no power. So anyway, um, we went ahead with the appeal. We lost that, and KPF said that, um, that, that there was nothing further we could do after that. Right, and so you were now um, instructed to contact Finnair directly to arrange the payment. What did Finnair say to you when you contacted them? Well, in, in, in between that, uh, KPF, KPF had said, we're hoping that they won't collect the money. So that was another sort of anxious wait where we're hoping that that won't happen. And then I got another email from KPF saying, no, Finnair has started to collect the money um, and you're going to have to pay. And that's when they said we should contact Finnair directly because KPF had no more involvement in it. Finnair said that um, we decided it was my decision to take them to court. It was my decision to appeal, and therefore we were, were liable for the money. How much money did you owe to Finnair at this point? In Australian dollars, it's between twelve and 13000 Wow, that's a lot of money. I mean, I can imagine that having to pay that money just out of the blue is you know, quite a financial burden. It is a financial burden, and I explained that to Finnair, and they were, let's just say, unsympathetic. They told me that I had to pay it, and if I didn't pay it, then they would pursue me. They would pursue me uh, through the Australian courts, which they are legally entitled to do, and if they had to do that, then I would also be liable for their extra costs, which could run into hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. Oh, and so I guess you had no choice but to simply pay the money at this point. Um, basically, yes, that was the case. Uh, I mean, I could fight it, I guess, but I thought that um, my understanding was that they've won their case in Finland and that's it, they've won their case. Wow. So you originally posted this on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum and that's how Nick Ned and others have um, come to know that there are others involved in this situation. But why did you originally post it on the forum? I originally posted it on the forum uh, not only to ask for advice but because I feel it's important to share the experience and uh, just to let other other uh, travellers know that um, these experiences can happen. It's extremely unfortunate, yeah. Uh, like like Nick Nick's story, and like I know there are others that have had similar um, experiences with this such such an unfortunate tale. I'm really sorry to hear this, but thanks for sharing a story with me. No problem at all. I'm I'm glad to to share it and hope that um, other people will maybe think twice. And Nicknet and Sandy S are not the only people caught up in this series of really unfortunate events. I am aware of at least one other Australian couple who were also delayed by Finnair around the same time and had pursued compensation through if delayed with the same outcome. Uh, And there are probably many more people out there um, in the same circumstance. Now, in the case of this other couple, they never actually uh, received the email from KPF, the Finnish law firm, asking if they wanted to appeal the Finnish court's decision. So fortuitously, what this meant is that they actually, um, uh, they didn't go through with the appeal in in their instance. And so there weren't those extra legal costs um, involved in the appeal that they ended up having to pay back. But this couple did still owe Finnair several thousand dollars. Now, it seems almost unbelievable that this can happen, but it did, and uh, nobody has actually broken any laws here. Australian Frequent Flyer did reach out to Finnair, but they did not respond to our request for comment. If delayed, however, did respond to our inquiries and issued a statement. 
A spokesperson for Delayed said that it is deeply unfortunate that Finnair has decided to proceed to demand legal fees from the customers despite being fully aware of their right to claim the fees from the bankruptcy estate of Delayed AB. However, we as the new owners of the brand Delayed do not have any legal responsibility for what occurred prior to the bankruptcy of Delayed AB and the acquisition of said brand. So this statement is coming from the new owner, of course, of Delayed, which is Incirello. Um, now, they also said that we have made amendments to our terms of con- terms and conditions as well as information on our website for all relevant markets we operate in so that a situation such as the one with Finnair cannot occur again. Now, if Delayed still advertises on its website that it has a Trustpilot rating of 4.8 out of 5, but if you actually have a look on Trustpilot, their current rating is only 4.5 out of 5. And at the time of recording this podcast... All of the recent Trustpilot reviews that have been added since If Delayed was bought by Incirello are actually for one star. Uh, we put this to If Delayed, and they told us that it updates the Trustpilot score presented on its website continuously and shall immediately do so to reflect the current score. However, this was more than a week ago, and at the time of recording this podcast, the Trustpilot score shown on If Delayed's website has not been updated since we contacted them. It's still showing 4.8. Now, at the end of the day, this really is a story of uh, a series of unfortunate events. What's happened is extremely unfair to the individuals caught up in this sorry saga, but it's hard to say that any one individual or organization is really at fault. And I mean, to be clear, we're not suggesting that if delayed, Finnair or anyone else really has broken any laws. And there are so many moving parts to this story. I mean, if one thing along the way had have been different of the many different parts, um, people like Nick Nett and Sandy S and others would not have had to pay Finnair all those thousands of euros out of their savings. But this story is also a cautionary tale for anyone thinking about using an agency to claim compensation from an airline in the European Union. Now, in 99.999% of cases, you'll probably be just fine, and you may even get some money back that you might not have otherwise been able to claim on your own, and that's a good thing. But there is, as this case shows, a tiny chance that things might not turn out the way you expected. Well, moving on now to a lighter topic to finish off this episode, and Virgin Australia is once again offering double status credits in a new promotion. If you register for the offer on the Velocity website or app, you'll earn double Velocity status credits, which count towards your Virgin Australia status tier, for any new Virgin Australia flights booked by Tuesday the 10th of August 2021 for travel until the 28th of June 2022, and this does exclude economy getaway fares. And bookings made with a travel bank credit are also eligible to earn double status credits. Well, this is the second time in a row that Velocity has excluded those cheap getaway fares from earning double status credits. Although, to be honest, uh, with getaway fares now selling for as low as $39 on some routes like Sydney to Melbourne, I don't really blame them for trying to encourage people to buy up to a more expensive fare tie, which, to be honest, are not actually that expensive anyway at the moment. The airfares in Australia are pretty cheap right now. Now, with Virgin's last bonus status credits offer a few months back, which I talked about in episode 61 of this podcast, the key to maximising the value in that offer was in the economy elevate and freedom fares. But this time, the best value is almost certainly in the business class fares. And there's two reasons for that. Firstly, business class fares earn significantly more status credits than economy fares, and that's by design. 
you'll earn at least 50 status credits for any flight booked under a business saver fare class, or at least 55 status credits for a ticket in the business category. And that compares to in the um, lowest distance zone, you'd get seven status credits for a getaway fare, 15 for an elevate fare, and 25 for a freedom ticket, which is the flexible economy fare. Now, the business fares, which earn 55 status credits, are a little bit more expensive, but only around $50 more than a business saver ticket, and they are fully refundable, so they can actually be okay value. And on flights more than 750 miles, you'll earn even more status credits as this is based on the distance flown. And of course, with double status credits, the minimum amount you're going to earn for any flight booked in even business saver on a short flight is going to be 100 status credits um, per flight, which is quite a lot. Now, the second reason that business class fares are the way to go in this particular offer is that Virgin has actually recently slashed its business class fares to quite cheap prices. Business class tickets on routes like Brisbane to Rockhampton, Melbourne to Launceston, or Sydney to Ballina Byron Bay are now as low as $199 one way. And if you use a promo code, you can even get the price down to around $181 one way for business class. And with double status credits, that's an earn of 100 status credits at a cost of $181 or about you know $1.81 per status credit. And other routes are also quite good value, like Brisbane to Mackay is available for about 209 one way, for example. Um, but the best velocity status run that I've found in this particular promotion is from Canberra to Adelaide via Melbourne. You can book a business saver ticket on that route for around $287 one way or $263 with a promo code. And because there's two flights there, you earn 200 status credits. That's a cost of $1.32 per velocity status credit, which is pretty much as low as I've ever seen it get. Now, as a reminder, with Virgin Australia to earn silver status from scratch, you would need to earn 250 velocity status credits, um, or to renew, you'd need 200 status credits plus two eligible Virgin Australia flight sectors um, within 12 months. So um, with with that trip from Canberra to Adelaide, just one way um, for $287 or 263 with a promo code, you'd be earning enough status credits to requalify for silver there. And if you did that as a return trip, you would get enough status credits and sectors to uh, requalify for gold status. Um, Because with Velocity Gold, you need 400 status credits to renew or 500 status credits to earn from scratch, plus four eligible sectors. And just for comparison, for Platinum status, you'd need to earn 1,000 Velocity status credits within 12 months to earn it outright, or 800 status credits to renew if you've already got it, plus eight eligible sectors. So just to give you an idea... So using the Canberra to Adelaide run as an example, I mean, um, that's, uh, you know, that's requalifying for business class for as low as $527. You would need to book to get that price at least 28 days in advance. Although, to be honest, it's unlikely that South Australia will be reopening its border to the ACT within the next month anyway. So uh, I would personally be looking to travel next year. But um, if you're after some more status run suggestions, there are others out there. You can check out my article on Australian Frequent Flyer, and I'll also put a link in the episode notes for this podcast. Well, that's just about all for this episode of AFF On Air. Before I go, just a quick thanks to Townsend Oz Ally and Darf009 for their feedback about the last episode with David Feldman on the AFF On Air discussion thread. Uh, It does sound like that interview really resonated with a lot of listeners, which is great to see. So thanks for your feedback, guys. 
Uh, I also just want to mention quickly, I know that there has been discussion about um, this podcast not appearing in a few specific podcast platforms like Pocket Casts over the last few months. I do hope that that issue is now fixed. Um, it looks like the recent episodes have now been um, uh, made their way into pocket casts. But if you continue to have problems, please do let us know in the AFF on Air discussion thread and we can investigate that. But hopefully it's fixed now. And finally, just a quick shout out and thank you to Obby99 for leaving a review on Apple Podcasts recently. And if you've enjoyed this episode and the rest of the episodes of this podcast, please do the same. It would, um, I'd really appreciate it and it would really help us to spread the word about the podcast if you could leave a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever else you happen to be listening. Well, for more information about anything discussed in today's episode, check out the episode notes or visit australianfrequentflyer.com.au. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to AFF On Air on your favourite podcasting platform to receive every new episode as soon as it's released every second Saturday. I'm Matt Graham and I'll be back next fortnight with more news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. And until then, stay safe.